All right, everybody, you are listening to Adjust Your Way to 100K, the podcast, the show that gives you insight on a very profitable career in the insurance adjusting industry. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms and share with anyone, I mean anyone, looking to get into a lucrative career. Y'all, let me tell you something really quick before I introduce this person. Um, When I got in this industry in 2017, I found myself like a lot of people in this industry on um, groups. I'm not even going to say the platform. I found myself in groups on a certain platform and those those groups can kind of be this. So Leigh, I'm really interested in getting to field adjusting, but I don't know where to start. Oh, I know exactly where you can go. A facility with educators with over 40 years of experience, uh, the tools, the curriculum, the knowledge. I know exactly where you should go. Where? You need to go to insuranceadjusternow.com and schedule any of the plethora of trainings that they have. I mean, you're going to learn from two adjusters that have been out there in the field and have made a bag in this industry. Where should I go? Insuranceadjusternow.com. And hey, I got something for you. Use my code SD100K to save 10% on your training. SD100K. Okay. Yep. I'm on my way. Yeah, don't go later. Go now. Insuranceadjusternow.com. Discouraging. Um, on the flip side, I was able enough to fortunately find myself in another group on Twitter. Um, it's called IA Twitter. For those of you, you know, that know, if you know, you know. Um, and one of the greatest people over there on IA Twitter we have here today, Garolyn Johnson. Um, I thanked him profusely for being here because, look, as an adjuster, when you're working seven twelves and you got children and you got family, um, the biggest asset you have is your time. So we appreciate you for coming on today, uh, sir, gracing us with your presence. Thank you for being a shining light over there at IA Twitter. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to go ahead and get started help anybody that's interested in getting into it or anybody who already here is thinking about, you know, moving segments, whether they're moving from out of the property or vice versa or moving to commercial, whatever it is, like excited to help people on their journey into the into the industry. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So our buddy B Cab is here. He says, What up, sir? I've got the audience <laughs> um from the Gesture Way Academy here. So you can ask any questions, drop in. Um but something you shared with me before we went live is that like Around this time, about six years ago, you were just getting in the insurance adjusting industry. What was Garolyn thinking about six years ago? <laughs> and can you believe you got the marathon T-shirt on, but can you believe the marathon you had to run to get into this? Talk about that. Talk about how <laughs> this has been. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I saw like six years ago that I would be this far. I just knew at the time, uh, you know, it's I had heard that it was lucrative and I wanted to change from what I was doing before. So like, you know, at that point, nothing else really mattered. I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. I was selling cars at the time um, at a dealership. You know, I was working a lot of hours over there too. Um, But I was a decent car salesman, but the schedule was erratic. Um, You know, you work, you might do 16, 17 days straight at the end of the month because we're trying to push out cars and stuff. So at that point, I didn't like what I was doing in terms of work. So I'm like, okay. How much were you making? Um, cause up and down, right? It depends on what. Yeah, you it's on. It's a, it's a. It was complete sales environment, right? So the tier that I was working at, the company that we, we was working for, right? They paid us um on like a 
grading scale. So we would get a base pay of like seven twenty five an hour, and then we would make like twenty five dollars on a car that we sold. These brand new cars, these not used cars, right? So they okay. tell you, all, so they tell you already how much money we're not making in terms of like <laughs> what it is that we selling, right? But um, yeah, so it wasn't no crazy, crazy money for what we was pounding the pavement trying to do. Um, and at the time, like I said, my mom was doing the same. She was doing insurance adjusting. She had just got started. And she's telling me, she like, oh, she worked 60 hours at time. She was working six tens. So I'm like, oh, you're working less hours than I work. And she was telling her check. I'm like, you really making more than what I make right now. And I'll be out here. Like I said, up and down, fluctuating this, one month, that one month. And I'm like, okay, you make consistent. Let me try to do that. And then, you know, she gave me the steps, kind of like I'll be doing for folks. And I had already kind of seen her do the steps too. Because like I said, she... You know, kind of like we was talking about before we got on, like she didn't have no, she didn't have no guidelines. She didn't have no mentor. She didn't have no nothing. She just. She didn't had, have IA Twitter. She didn't no, have. No, I Twitter. She ain't, she, she ain't have no Facebook, Facebook group. She ain't have none of that. She just like heard about it and she just Googled like on, on online research and trying to figure out how to do it and get into it. And I seen her do it that way. So then, you know, I had a leg up off rip because she didn't already did it and she like, okay, this is what you need to do. Um yeah. Yeah. So then from there I just I was like, okay, let me let me get into it and do it. But like six years ago to be here now, it's like, you know, at some point, you know, I'll talk about me taking a test. I failed the actual my actual state exam like multiple times. Um so like when you talk about it taking like it ain't just like oh fast it just happened like once you fail the state exam i think at the time you might have to wait a week or two weeks for you to even be able to go back and take it again so it's like mm -hmm. um you know early on i actually had quit my job selling cars to like get into it and go do this because i had to take a five-day class to go be able to do it and my job wasn't really they wasn't trying to let me get off five days to go do that so we parted yeah. ways um i had saved up some money you know to kind of helped me move from like, okay, I'm not working here no more. I plan on doing this, but failing the test multiple times, like it prolonged that period, you know, for me to get an assignment, for me to get my license, for me to do all of that. So I ended yeah. up in the meantime, before I ever got my first assignment, I actually went back to selling cars. Um, How was that? To, that um, moment, that first day when you went back, cause I had to quit <laughs> job and go back too. Nah, it's <laughs> um, humbling. Um, cause you know, it, in my mind, I think I can do anything. I think a lot of times I think I can do it just like this, right? So, like, to get out there, take the, go take the five-day class, right? At the end of the five-day class, you got to pass their little thing to say that you can even go get your certificate. So, to pass that and then go, I was a turnaround. Like, I really did mine two days after I finished the class. Like, okay, let me go ahead and try to do it while it's fresh. Yeah. And to do that and then fail it and then go, I actually went and took the class a second time because the place that I took it with, R.S. Thomas in Georgia, like, they guarantee that you pass it. So once I failed it, you know, you send them your failed results, they'll let you come back and take the five-day class again with the same information to try to get you to do it. Okay. Um, so but you got to go and do that, though. Yeah, you still, there you time. go. I still got to go take five days. I got to go take another five days to go sit down and go sit through this course again and go do that. Yeah. So it was, it was humbling to, like, um realize like it ain't just bam right like you could think that you do all this you could do all the study and all of that but like hey you still gotta you still gotta go do it and execute um so that was really humbling if you're interested in this lucrative career go to adjusterpro.com get ready and signed up for your pre-licensing course continuing education exactimate training all through adjusterpro.com and use my code sd2023 to save 10 percent and then to go back, I didn't go back to the same dealership I was working at. I went to like someone in the cluster, but you know, they didn't really know what was going on. Dealerships have high turnover rate. They don't care anyway. So I already knew when I went back that second time, I'm like, 
by the time I went back, I had either already had my license or was getting close, but the process was just still taking longer. So in my mind, yeah. I'm like, I'm going back. I know I'm going back for I'm going back because I'm broke right now until yeah. I until I go do this. So I'm like, okay, let me go back and do that. So I went back and I was maybe there for like a month and a half before I got my first assignment that sent me out to Phoenix. It's like May 10th. And I got a call at work um from EA Renfro. It's a guy that I've been working with. Like, you know, they tell you call a lot, like they don't be yeah. lying. It was a guy that worked at EA Renfro at the time named Jeremy. And this is kind of back, I guess, when he was doing like case manager. So you had like somebody that you was assigned to, but he was mine. And I just would call him often, like, I don't got nothing. Um, you know, let me know, let me know. And I promise you, like, this man called me at like, this is like 12.30 a.m. in the morning. I got a call for an assignment. Like, he called me, he said, yeah, we got an assignment that's filling up for Phoenix, Arizona. They need you there Wednesday. And... You know, yeah. at this point, I didn't already did like numbers and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is what entry pay looked like. This is what different. So I already knew when somebody called, we going, you know, wherever we got to go at that point to get our experience. So when he called, yeah. me, it was just like, I was like, okay, wow, here we go, Phoenix. Um, so yeah, I went out there and did an auto assignment out there for like three and a half months for my first assignment, and um, yeah, yeah. That, that felt good to to for it to finally come. You know, all that hard work to come. Um, Full circle. Yeah, to actually actually come and see it, and like, okay, you actually did it. Yeah, that shout out to your mom for for getting in the industry and showing the way. <clears throat> um, I know you said from another interview that like uh, when you went to Arizona on that first deployment, and you saw these people, uh, you see the nepotism is real in this industry. Like it's dad, the mom, you know, the, the wife rather. Uh, the kids are involved. There's my brother over there. There's my sister-in-law. It's the whole family that's in this. How many people do you think you have gotten in this industry? Like people that you know, like in your life. Uh, I mean, my two best friends do it, right? Like, okay. right yeah, right now, active. So, um, we be. I'll be trying to look at it like directly, indirectly, right? Because one of my best friends, he's gotten more people into it too. So. He actually got one of his brothers into it as well that's still working. So like right now we might be 10 plus, maybe pushing 15 people that we like directly know from like, hey, I got again my best friend, he got his brother, they got their best friend, like we probably at a at a network of 10, 10 or more, um, that we actually know. Okay. Um, that we've got wow. into it. Yeah. My pops got his license last year, right? He went and ran an assignment that he was working 712 doing auto. He made, you know, made a good grip out there. So we um, I got my sisters right now still trying to get, you know, trying to get them to crack, um, crack into it. Cause it's still like, we talk about like what it looked like for us to get other people in, but they still got to do the work to get into. So it's like, we'd be, you know, I'd be telling folks like, Hey, this is what you got to do. This is how you got to do it. But at the end of the day, they still got to go sit down and go through the class and go through the test and go through whatever they sit down trials and tribulation like this is going to be. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you say you got 10 people in, you know how I think about that? I think that you've increased your network by a million dollars. Oh, year. just shit. Just shit. <laughs> I like that. You ain't never heard that before, right? I like that. That makes sense, right? We all touching six figures like that's that that should be now yeah. uh, just for an example, okay. I've increased the network of people I know um by a million dollars. It should be nothing for everybody to say, let's take a thousand a month and put it in this pot. And now we're creating our own investment fund. I'm just thinking of stuff. I'm just throwing things out there. These are the things that can happen once you have that amount of disposable income, that amount of stability that insurance adjusting brings. So since, you know, we're talking about Gerilyn six years ago still, right? 
Um, what are the things that you've been able to do now on this side of insurance adjusting that like have blown your mind from when you first started? Uh, I think financially. The, oh, financially? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it like when we say like time freedom, I think it's brought me back that, right? Like I I've been back home off my last assignment right now, like we said before, like a month and some change. Um and it's kind of really been stress-free, right? So like I've been out for three and a half months. Um, I was out in Jacksonville. Um, I worked a lot, right? I was stressed a lot, but I also made a lot, right? So now when I get to come back home, right? I get to come back home. I'm not stressing. I get to sit down with my kids. I need to relax and enjoy myself. I get to sit down on a Sunday, right? Because at some point I was working 7-12s on a Sunday and we've never been doing this at 1.30 in the afternoon. So I like, I think it gave me like seeing it and seeing it now, like I realized that the money just give me that. It give me time freedom. It give me time freedom to go do what you know, whatever it is I want to do. When I actually got the time freedom, so now yeah. I think the next part is like having longevity and time freedom. Because right now it's like start and stop, right? So it's like okay, I gotta go work. I gotta go run for how long? And then I gotta come back home for a little bit and chill. But I think right now, like me, six years in, it's like okay, we want a lot of time freedom, right? We, we've been getting some, we want more time freedom. So I think it's like putting that formula together for me to be able to get that. But I think that's what I'm seeing that it can get me like, just, it'll get you that. Like it'll get you, I mean, obviously money buy you stuff, right? You can go yeah. get at this point, yeah, whatever it is that you want to get if you got the money in the bank. But like for me, like it'd be, um, I want my actual time to go do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it, with whoever I want to do it with, right? Like just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, like that's total it. freedom, total 100%. freedom. Um, so now that you're six years in your industry, in, in this industry, um, you've seen a lot, met a lot of people. What are your plans now for that progression of getting more time freedom? And um, is it is it staying in the industry and building up, or is it like okay, I'm going to take this money I have <clears throat> and start building out of the insurance adjusted industry? So. Um, it's a little if bit of both. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is. It's a little bit of both, right? Because like I've already made an attempt to exit the industry, quote quote, right? So, and I say made an attempt to exit the industry because it in two thousand, maybe it's like two thousand nineteen. Um, me and one of my best friends when we started a dealership, like another business, and that was looking to be our way, like out, right? Because mm -hmm. we had already sold cars on our own. Me and him actually worked at that dealership together before we got into this. Um, so we had been in that industry for a minute and we started a business in 2019 to try to do that. And that was our first jump outside of like, hey, working 60 hours doing this to like, let's try to take this bread and do something else with it. Um, and I would say like, looking back at it, like it was, it was successful um, in 2019. Like that was our first year running. We got up and running like January, ran the whole year, almost did 100,000 revenue that year um, in the business, right? And then 2020 came. Um, COVID came and it just kind of set us back, um, you know, and kind of sent us back into here, like where we at. Cause like at that point we was already trying to get out of the industry. Um, again, not cause we hate it, but like we do want time freedom. Yeah, we want time freedom. And it's like, mm -hmm. we were trying to find the exit at that point. Um, but I think right now, um, we not, we're not looking to like hurriedly, like we don't say that we rushed it trying to leave the industry like at that point in like two and a half years in but i think now at this point looking at it we like we could stay around in the industry longer 
and take our time to figure out what it is that we're going to do and what's going to be our exit plan out of there. So I don't think we got a true or I don't got a true, true exit strategy, um, like what it looked like to leave. Um, I don't plan on being this. I don't plan on being an insurance investor for like 15 years. I don't think I'll be one of those folks that be like, I've been here for 15 years plus. I could be wrong, right? Pull this up in 15 years and I'll still be in the office. But the 60s, they're going to be like, I thought she wasn't going to be here, right? But like the plan, the plan is not, yeah, that, no, that's, that'll be big right there too, right? Like, hey, definitely yeah. that. But um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think, I, I don't want to be, unless, especially not working in the capacity that I've been working since I have been the last five or six years. Like, I don't want to be doing 60, 70 hours a week. Um, 10, 12 years plus. Um, yeah. So my, so my eyes and radar, like we open and look into like, okay, what does it look like to transition out of that? But we're not rushing to transition out of it right now. I feel you. I feel you on that. Um, I think um, not just you, but other people I've talked to in the industry, like you're making a, a large amount of money. So um, having bigger money means you can just, you have the disposable income to invest in things. Trust I tried, we tried the trucking industry and um, it lasted for about, we got out uh, last year, around this time last year, actually, February, um, which has kind of afforded me the time to be, even be able to do this podcast and help people. Um, but getting into that industry and understanding that like, wow, even when things don't necessarily work out um, in the business, like things happen and it doesn't necessarily work out for you. I always have insurance adjusting to come fall back on because I know that that's stable ground. I know I can always go pick up a deployment. Um, but as far as being an entrepreneur, I think we're in a special place to know how to pivot and really go in and like, okay, I'm going to go do 712s for six plus months. Um, and I, I know everybody has their mode of how to do that. Talk about like when you're in full deployment mode, like how do you even get ready? How do you stay disciplined? How do you, how do you deal with the stress? Oh, no, that's a really good one. Um, I think what you said too about like having a plan outside of that, because I think before I, whenever I get ready to go on a deployment, like it's like a, it is, you don't want to equate it to like battle, but you know, mentally you got to get ready, right? Because like right now I've been sitting around the house not doing nothing. So to sit around, and I say not doing nothing, but like not being on the phone and not, um, you know, talking to angry policyholders and following up with like contractors and yeah, I'm not being on yeah, right. Like so, I haven't been doing that. So like knowing that I'm about to start an assignment, like I definitely got to mentally prepare and get ready. And um, not just me, but like you know, my family. I have to let, especially if I'm going on the road, right? Like I gotta let my kids know, right? Gotta let my wife know, hey, this is what it looked like. This is where we're gonna be going. Obviously, I don't know how long we're gonna be going. Um, so it's 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 some preparation that you have to have. Yeah. Um, in terms of like being disciplined for me, um, once I get on the assignment, like. Once I be there, I'll be trying to be the best one there, right? So it don't be too hard for me. No matter what assignment that is, it don't be too hard for me to try to, like, lock in and be disciplined there. Especially, if, you know, they pay, paying me good, too. It ain't too hard for me to get up in here. And try, yeah, right? Like, you don't take yeah. too many of them checks for you to be like, okay, let me not be the one to go home right now. Let me be up in here and, and still trying to be make more of this. So that that part right there usually come easy, um, you know, with the money incentive. Um, but, yeah, the stress, the stress part, man, that is um, – you got to find a constructive outlet while you're at work. Like, so mine sometimes used to be getting up in the morning and maybe going to the gym, going to the gym after work to try to relieve. Like, you got to find whatever your stress reliever is because you're already going to do a lot of hours. Like, that's not a question. That's guaranteed. And on top of doing them hours, you're going to have confusion, right? Because you might not necessarily know what you're going to, what it is that you're doing and how they want you to do it. You're going to have 
um, upset, irate policyholders on the phone that's, you know, mad and yelling and cursing and screaming. So you got to know how to decompress, yeah. like, in the moments and, like, okay, I got a lot of work that I need to do. I got somebody yelling at me on the phone. I got managers hollering at me about production. Like, you got to find what your way is to help you be able to manage that stress. For mine, it's like, I'm really task-driven, so a lot of times I'll, um, you know, level of importance my day on what it is. Like, oh, I know... You know, if I'm a claim owner and I'm working policy holders and they, I know I got three of them that they'll call me three times in a day. Like, yeah. I know, like let me go ahead and let me go ahead and hit that and get them taken care of. Um, I think organization in this business is probably like one of the most underrated tools. We can talk about like networking and stuff like that, but like being able to be organized, it'll help you do everything right from calling people back on time, which will keep them happy, right? Whether that be a you know, policyholder, public adjuster, contractor, like whoever it is that you need to give a call back to, like being able to do that and keep up with that and be organized with like that, like just your calls, period. I feel like that would help a lot of people um, like in the business already because you fall behind real fast, um, you know, yeah. if you're not organized, but then also if you've got, you know, if I'm not organized and I've got people calling me back to back to back, like the stress goes from like, oh, okay, to like, oh man, Unmanageable. Yeah, it, it, can become, it can become unmanageable really fast. And like I said, people, you know, if you're a claim owner and you got 70 insureds and, you know, some they might call you three times a day. So if I got five insureds that'll call you three times a day, you probably need to handle them five. Like you probably need to get all five of them files tight and talk to them to make sure that they tighten out the way so that yeah. when you're working on something else, you don't get a call from this guy that distracts you and throw you off. Because I think staying focused is another big part too. Like you, yeah. you get... And I was I went to a friend of mine's house and watching him work. I'm like, oh, you got 17 claims open, dog. How are you? How are you? How you? He's like, yeah, I know. I just they be calling and I got them open. I gotta get it closed. I got file notes in slum. I'm like, yo, you you gotta get like focus on that one. Get that file note in there. Get it get it looking right. You know, so you can know what's going on. What need to happen next, and then get that thing moved on. Versus yeah. like I think sometimes we, you know, you be skeptical on pulling the trick on what it is that you should do and then that just kind of leave you kind of stuck right there without actually doing anything so i think you know we're justice right and you got a license for a reason like it's your job to make decisions and i think that's a big part of it the faster we make those decisions and justify making them right yeah. what it is um you know why we made that decision how we came to the conclusion of making that decision i think you'll work your claims a lot faster because you're gonna you know you're gonna write it up like you believe it and then you're gonna move on from there and then if somebody want to come back and um you know, we don't want to say challenge, but if somebody want to question what it is that you say, then you will have, well, you know, your reason that, oh, this is how I got to this right here. But I think a lot of times that space between like what we think we should do and what we actually should do. And if we should ask somebody, like a lot of times that right there, that's so much disorganization and you'll lose a lot of time right there doing that. I agree with you. Um, that was really a masterclass you just gave. I hope it was <laughs> Because um, <clears throat> when you first get in the industry, I think that's why they say they want people to be experienced because it just takes time to get to that point where you can say, I'm confident in my interpretation of this policy to go ahead and make this decision and be able to explain it. Um, because it may not necessarily be that you're wrong, but do you really understand what's happening here and be able to explain it? When you're first starting out, um, there's a lot of people that go on these deployments and you don't really know anything. It takes you a while. There's a big question that people are asking me. Um, I haven't answered this on socials yet, but how long did it take you to feel competent in working claims? Um, it took me about to probably about my third deployment 
on my first deployment, um, I didn't really know anything. I just knew there was a lot of money in this and I was ready to run it up. Um, what do you think, uh, when was it for you when you feel, felt like you became very competent at doing claims? Um, it depends claim on what claim. It, it, yeah. a claim is a claim, but I feel like for me, it depends on what segment I was working on. Um, okay. right? but, yeah, because like my very first assignment, at some point, I was only there for like three and a half months, but I did feel competent, but I wasn't doing a lot, right? Like I was yeah. um, basically active handling auto claims. So the most I was doing was issuing payments, helping someone with a rental, um, updating rental, giving information on. So I wasn't doing too much actual claim handling. Um, yeah, so yeah. In, in that position, I felt comfortable and competent. Um, once I got to being an actual CO, um, my first assignment being a CO, I probably ran like eight or nine months. This was with Worldly before they became Alacrity. And mm -hmm. I will probably say I came off of that one. I didn't even feel confident at the end of that eight or nine months. Like, I, And I actually, I think that was, I self-released because like my brain was losing out my ears. I was like, I don't, I, I like, yo, I can't. Not really. And you, like, you talk about the stress, but like, I remember, I remember calling. <clears throat> calling I'm, not at, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing. No, because we've been there. Like everybody, yeah. kind of, I've been in them offices and seen like just this, man, the stress on people's face, like the just, you know, like you would be, it's, it's tough in the office environment in this industry period with, yeah. um, like I said, the production demands, um, you know, taking the, um, you know, taking whatever backlash it is that you take from the insurers while still trying to be productive. Um, yeah. But I remember being in the office on that assignment. It's probably like two weeks before I ended my first assignment being the CEO. And I remember calling my wife at the time. I'm like, I went off to a room. And I remember I called her. I was so stressed out. I'm like, I think I'm about to quit right now. Like, I think I'm about to leave and quit. Like, I think this is it. <laughs> she was like, you sure? I was like... And it's not my first time calling her and saying this, right? Just to give you an idea of the level of stress, right? So, like, she, like, this the one for real? I'm like, yeah, I think this is it. I can't. They just, they tell me about production again. God just cussed me out on the phone again. Like, I just, I'm about to blow in this thing. Like, um, but then that that is necessary, right? Like, realizing when you need to take a break. Like, at that time, I was like, oh, man, I'm about to. And then I did. Just end up self-releasing at that point. And then yeah. I probably had two or three months off. And then I went back and took another CO position. And that break helped me be able to like, when I got back in that seat that next time I sat back down as a CEO, like I feel like I understood the policy better. Things kind of slowed down a little bit more, right? Like I wasn't jumping when the phone rings, right? Like at first I'll be, I might be reading something, phone ring, I'm like, oh God, here we go. Like, you know, the anxiety <laughs> come up like, yeah, man, who is this right here calling, right? Yeah. And that next time I got in there, it was like, you know, I was a lot more calm, right? I was like, okay, let me, let me take my time. Let me read through this policy. Let me not get anxious with the person on the phone yelling, right? Because they yelling because they don't really understand what's going on. And I'm anxious because I don't understand what's going on. So like, if I can, under, if I can understand it and then explain it to them, well, now I'm not anxious on my side and they can be mad all day long, but I've explained it to them in the way that they understand it. So that's powerful. Yes, the way that they understand it, because not yeah. everybody understands it the same. Yeah, and we I'll be talking about that so much about how like that just being in this industry like lets you realize like how much we don't actually really know as a people about the stuff that we be doing. That's a whole other conversation too, right? Like everybody got insurance and everything, but don't nobody really, nobody really read a policy for nothing, right? Nobody really read and know what their policies say or what they cover, or what they don't cover. Everybody just know like you got insurance, but then when you get on the phone with me, you realize like having insurance doesn't give you coverage for what it is that you're on the phone with me for. And I think that's the biggest part, trying to get people to understand on the other side of the phone. It's like, 
yeah, you've been paying a premium for, you know, however long you've been paying a premium, but paying that premium don't cover this loss that you just had. And I think yeah. that that right there, understanding that and being able to articulate that and let the person on the other side of the phone know that, that helped take some of the stress off you. Because, like, when you don't know how to explain to them why it's not covered, now you even more because you're like, I don't need right and now they get madder they like oh you don't sound like you know what you're talking about give me somebody mm -hmm. you like i don't know what i'm talking about but that's what somebody told me i'm supposed to tell you i don't really know and it's like yeah once you are right. able to know like okay i'm knowing the policy like hey i'm gonna send you a policy that you signed for with your agent i'm gonna be able to show you your policy where this is or it's not covered and then from there it's like at that point it's really the balls out of my hands right like i'm an interpreter of the policy that you got sir i didn't do or ma'am, I didn't do nothing at all with this. I'm reading the policy that you sent to me, and this is saying that it's not that. And I think once you get the, to that point where, you know, you can understand it and explain it to them and help them get off, you know, their angry stool, because, you know, most, again, they they really just pissed off because they don't understand, like, what's going on. They, they frustrated. They going through a hard time in their life, and they, you know, lost whatever it is that they lost, and that's compounding the frustration. So I think... You know, if you can have the empathy to um, be patient with them while you're explaining that to them, right? Because, yeah. like, just even knowing knowing it on your end and being able to explain it to them not going to make them understand it like that for them to just be like, oh, yeah, okay, right? Like, they still going to be frustrated, but you got to, like, work through their frustration with them just to explain it to them. Like, and tell them, like, I, I know how frustrating it is. It's, yeah. Um, well, just, and I don't mean to cut you off at all. Um, I was thinking about, you're saying you know how frustrating it is. Um, I've seen in other interviews that you're from Louisiana, so you've been through catastrophes. Um, how does it feel now being on this side of the phone, like being the adjuster that are helping people out that are going through these catastrophic times? Uh, I think that's one of the things that made it, like, obviously the money got me, but I think you stick around long enough, especially if you get on the property side where you're helping people during these catastrophes. Yeah. Um, something about, there's a point in there where you get to like, see that you actually are helping people, right? Like whether it be explaining where they went wrong and like, you know, so I just finished an assignment where, you know, most of what they were looking at, um, a lot of those claims were flood, right? But explaining to these people like, how you got to this point right like yeah you had insurance coverage but your insurance doesn't cover for flood right and explain to them like how to not let this happen next time yeah um like something about that i like that like being able to explain to people and tell them like you know i know you had a loss i know you know it's messed up and it's not looking bad but to help them one to be better prepared for the loss next time but then yeah. two, like also helping people through the current loss that they have because you know even folks who have covered losses like they still be up in arms like i'll never forget i was working on so this would have been what I guess 2020. I was working Hurricane, was it Hurricane Laura, maybe. Um, well, so and, many that year, I lost count myself. And, and um, it was a, it was a, and I remember because it was, oh yeah, it was 2020 because I was working remote and I had my laptop. Mm -hmm. And I remember a lady calling me. Um, and you get so, I don't say you get so many, but like people on the phone crying is like you realize like how serious, serious it is, right? Because you'll never see them face to face, right? But they're on the phone and like they ceiling is falling in and they life is falling apart. And I remember her calling me. I remember being on the phone with this elderly lady for like an hour plus. And this is a, you know, this is a QFC or initial contact call. And, you know, she ain't never did this. Right. So like that process of like helping her through that and, 
you know, just hearing the gratefulness and her voice on the other ear of the song, like, mm -hmm. thank you so much for helping me. Like, you know, um, I think that part right there really be fulfilling and helping folks, you know, put their life back together, get their life back together and help them in a time where like most of they just be lost and yeah. not sure the next steps. Yeah, they've lost their most prized possession. Um, and I, I appreciate um, people like you that have went through the tests and the fires to get through and stay in this industry. I think a lot of people like when they think about insurance adjusting or they think about the insurance companies, um, they think about a symbol, big red, progressive. But really the people that are doing the work are, are folks like you, insurance adjusters that... Um, are coming in day after day, working these six tens, seven twelves, different uh, times, being away from your family. One question we have from somebody about the family piece is, um, how is your family uh, transition with your spouse and kids? I know you touched a little bit on that. Um, how how do you how do you really manage that? You know, um, how old are your children? By the way, before I even ask the question, um, so I've got two kids. They're seven and eight. Um, okay. So I'll actually be nine uh, Saturday coming up. So we got a birthday coming up. Yeah. That's awesome. um, so it's, um, how's the transition? So early on, my kids were a lot younger. Um, so like when I first went to Phoenix, they didn't really understand what was going on. I couldn't comprehend and probably don't, at this point, probably don't remember. Um, now that they've gotten older, it's a lot. Um, it, I can see that it takes more of a toll on them than it did when they were younger. Um, you know, you're younger, you, you know, you're a little kid, you kind of bouncing around two or three years old, you don't actually really know. But like now it's like, you know, when I just left for three months, when I come back home, I can see and feel that they actually miss me, right? Or while I'm on the road, I can see and feel and hear from them. You know, just things changing and stuff where it's like, if I was there, that may not be the same. Um, so it's not the easiest transition by any means. I, was, I heard a lot of people talking about that. Like, what's that like on family? Like, it's definitely a thing where y'all, whoever it is, have to know what it is that you're getting yourself into. Um, I remember talking with my wife when I first was thinking about getting into it and just kind of letting her know, um, you know, what was possible in terms of money, but also what was possible in terms of workload and then um, probability of like having to go travel and work. Um, yeah. And then I, I know for sure, like when I first, first got started, we were on the same page in terms of like, hey, um, you know, because my mom had told me early on that, you know, it's a possibility that they offer you something outside of the state. You know, at the time they had, Ashford Dunwoody, um, they had the terraces at a couple of different places here, but she was like, hey, with no experience, they may send you, they may offer you somewhere, somewhere else. Um, so early on, even before I actually got started and jumped in, you know, we sat down and had a conversation about that and, you know, what did that look like and were we comfortable with that and just all of the things that we thought like, okay, this could pop up, how do we feel about that, kind of had those conversations before we got there, because the last thing you really would want to do is like if somebody offer you like, oh, $65 an hour to go work somewhere and you haven't had a conversation about going to work somewhere about doing that. And you like, you know, now in a time where you already heightened because at the beginning of it, deployment, you know, a lot of times you like frantic people looking around like, oh, where I'm going to land at, trying to do this on top of like, oh, I haven't had this conversation with my spouse about me going on the road. Like that's don't sound like a position you kind of want to be in getting started at all. Yeah. But, can't do that. Can't do that. Can't have the home life be hectic. So um, if you've been in this as long as you have it and you and your family are successful, hats off to you because I know it's it's not easy managing that um, with little people and trying to get them to understand the sacrifices. But I applaud you for making those sacrifices for your family and for your trajectory of your um, for the whole generation. You know what I mean? This is this changes lives. 
this industry changes lives. So I salute you and um, really appreciate you being on today. Um, how do, and we got one more question. Oh, BCAP says, <laughs> talking to the insured in your sleep. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, ask my wife. She'd say like, how are you saying people name in your sleep? Like, well, you have nightmares waking up, like about an insured that get on your nerves. Like, uh, man. We can't, it, say no, it, we can't say no insurance names on here, but I remember your name. It used to come <laughs> four or five times a day. Like, I still be having nightmares about you. I ain't worked your claim in like four years. And just, yeah. I got a particular agent, like some agents. I, I really remember the conversations. Like, I'm not going to forget. Like, it was some stuff. But um, <laughs> I appreciate you. And how, how do we continue to follow you and your journey? And uh, I really appreciate all the information you give out in this industry. How do we continue to follow you about that? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, it's kind of where I'm at, like, for the most part. Um, I don't have anywhere else where I'm doing, like, I know people doing, like, discords and telegrams and places like that. I don't have anywhere else where, like, you can really reach me directly like that. Um, so, like, if you want to just send me a DM on Twitter or Instagram, anywhere like that, you can. Um, and then, yeah, that's really, I don't really have anywhere else um, for you to find me. And I don't really do, um, you know, like, it seems like a lot of people are doing a lot more, like, active stuff right like where they have academies and they're doing stuff like that i don't have anything like that where i'm like right right there for people but like i am here if anybody like if you find me and you got a question you dm me anybody who dm me they'll tell you for the most part i'm gonna try to get back to you and answer it try to give you you know give you a good answer on it um and try to be responsive if you got more than one question like some people like oh i don't want to ask you too many questions like go ahead and ask a thousand questions so you can <laughs> figure out what it is that you want to do trying to do how you want to do it and all of that because the industry so vast, man. Like, even that, like, I was talking to one of my homeboys, like, we would love to get into doing, like, doing some different type of claims. Like, claims yeah. go for, yeah, claims claims get deep. And, yeah. And uh, it's a lot of stuff that's insured. And, you know, we would love to 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 try something other than, you know, everybody say auto on property, but it, it get deeper than that. So we'd love to be around long enough to touch and see what some of the other claims and stuff look like. Um, yeah. Like you said earlier, too, like a claim is a claim is a claim. So at the end of the day, you're going to gather some information, you're going to read a policy, you're going to make a determination. No doubt across the board. I've heard so many different areas, like um heard about the oil contamination claims. I work cargo claims, but there's different cargo claims out here. There's so many different uh, carriers There's so many different policies. And there's even international work, you know. Um, so the sky is the limit. Um, make sure... I tell everyone when you do hit up adjusters, just make sure that, you know, you be mindful of adjusters time. And I just want to be thankful for everybody that's given their info and given their expertise in this industry, because this wasn't available back in 2017 when I first got started or, and you alluded to when you got in the industry. So I appreciate you being on. Thank, thank you for letting us know about thank your you. journey and how things are going. We just love to have you back on later on um, as you progress and as things go, because this industry isn't going anywhere. Yeah, that's why I keep telling people. Thank you so much for having me on. I always tell people every time, like a lot of people on my DMs, you know, a lot of people are trying to rush and like do fast. And like, yeah, you know, one of hurricane season is every year, June first to November thirtieth. So like, unless somebody come in and change that, like, it's gonna be there, right? So it's yeah. not, it's not a rush to like, oh, let me hurry up and get in. Like, take your time, do everything right, you know, on your way in, getting in. And um, yeah, if you got any questions, reach out to me along the way. I'm here. I would love to come back and do another segment. I would love to get my mom out of the shadows one day and have her come out and oh, we yeah, gotta set that up. Her, yeah, have her come out and talk about her journey because hers is you know different from mine. Again, like she started a lot um, at a lot older age than I did, so it's like 
you know, her perspective on even seeing how far she done came in the last six or seven years is real crazy too. So yeah, that'd be definitely cool to do. Maybe one day me and her sit down together and talk about what it was like for both of us to come through. I don't know, but. That's gotta happen. I love that. And I think like for anyone at any kind of age or, or any area you think, or there's some people that, um, I heard a, a lot of people uh, from the NACA conference. I, I talked to two different people that came from uh, teaching from the education background and switched over into adjusting. So it's just a great, great career where you can pivot from something else. You can get into this younger, you can get in this on the older side. Um, it's really great and dynamic. So I'd love to talk to your mom. I really appreciate you being on. Um, thank you so much for the Academy members with your questions. We just salute you and other adjusters like you that are showing the way. Thank you so much. Now, if you want to get into this industry and utilize the best strategy to grow your career, you know where to go, 100kadjuster.com. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share. Talk to you next week.